0: If you're interested in breaking into cybersecurity, then this is the episode for you, because my next guest is the founder and CEO of CyberSC, an advisory firm that actually helps startups and small businesses enhance their cybersecurity needs. But before I introduce you to Dominic Vogel, a cybersecurity expert with more than a dozen years in the field, who also... Co hosts a podcast called Cybersecurity Matters. I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's newsletter that features career advice and job seeking tips, as well as unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org in the sign up box. Is right there now, my cappuccino-loving cybersecurity junkies. Please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, cause it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Dominic Vogel, founder and chief strategist at Cyber SC who has a proven track record within cybersecurity across a variety of industries, including financial services, logistics, transportation, healthcare, government, telecommunications, and critical infrastructure. CyberSC specializes in providing cybersecurity management and expertise to financial services companies and law firms, It also provides on-demand cybersecurity services that augment an organization's current capabilities in a way that's less costly and more effective than traditional advisory companies. We will be digging into that and more in our main Time for Coffee interview. So check out show notes to see if Dominic's main Time for Coffee episode has already dropped. In his free time, Dominic serves as an external cyber risk advisor to various boards of directors and c-suite executives and Finally, Dominic and his partner co-host a podcast you may want to check out called Cyber Security Matters. It launched in twenty nineteen and I believe they've dropped at least as of this time that we're doing this interview in early August about. 90 episodes, so it is very well established. Dominic, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated up there in British Columbia and ready to go?
1: Absolutely. I'm super hyped up for this.
0: (laughs) And that is saying a lot because as you and I were chatting just before we started, your toddler was up all night long.
1: Yes. uh, My son James has never really been a a great sleeper, but he makes up for it during the day. He's, he's very loving and that helps fuel my day.
0: <laughs> well, what about caffeine? Does that play a role at all in fueling your day?
1: It fuels my, my wife's day. I'm more of a tea drinker, not to pop the balloon. I do drink coffee from time to time, but I am more of a tea drinker myself. It helps me stay calm.
0: <laughs> I get it. I can hear the energy vibrating. <laughs> so I, I get I totally get it. You got to Kind of go with the brew that works for you.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> so Dom, let us dive into our 10 espresso shots. The first question being, what entry level jobs are available to young people who want to break into cyber?
1: What we're seeing right now with cybersecurity, cybersecurity is becoming such an in-demand work field and there aren't enough people in, in the talent pipeline. So we're seeing more and more entry-level roles. And like you said there, what do those look like? They can look like very different things. Cybersecurity is a very specialized field. It could be something like being a junior security analyst for a, a company where you're monitoring the security systems, the cybersecurity systems, looking for different threats or trends or anomalies. That's a really great entry-level job. If you're working for a security company, like a cybersecurity vendor, you could be working in like in a development role, develop uh, security tools and platforms, or you could be someone who, uh, if you're really interested in more of the risk management side of cybersecurity, you could be doing risk analysis, you could be doing risk assessment. So it, there's just so many different roles and opportunities, and I'm just scratching the surface there. But the thing I, I always like to tell people is that you don't have to be a hacker to, to do well in cybersecurity.
0: And tell me if you agree with this, because I've interviewed at least one other person in the field who was a liberal arts major, undergrad, and didn't go and get certification or anything else and move directly into management consulting and landed in a cybersecurity track. So you may not even have to have studied or majored as you did in computer science.
1: A hundred percent. And that's what I, I love about the field and what we're seeing right now is more and more we're seeing people come from, you know, the better term, non-traditional, i.e. non-IT, non computer science backgrounds entering the field. Honestly, some of my greatest mentors and the, some of the smartest security minds I've ever known and have the privilege to be friends with are people who don't have a technical background, right? I think really people who succeed in this field are people who are capable of thinking outside the proverbial box, who are very deeply analytical, who are able to, like I said, spot the uh, the needle in a haystack type people, the creative types. Those are the people who are absolutely brilliant in this field. So don't let preconceptions of you having to be a techie hold you back.
0: Love it. And I probably should have gotten into this or set all of this up by asking you, what is encompassed? in
1: cybersecurity,
0: because you've already alluded to the fact that there are many different aspects to this field.
1: Yeah, I'd say at, at its root, cybersecurity is really about ensuring that data and digital organizations, which is pretty much every organization nowadays, that it's suitably protecting the underlying systems and business processes that support those organizations. It's really an extension of physical security. It's an extension of traditional enterprise risk management, where you focus on business operational risk, financial risk, personnel risk. In this very digitally connected age, we need to focus on digital slash cyber slash data risk, because at the end of the day, data is what's driving organizations, and cybersecurity is at the root of ensuring that it continues to empower organizations to be able to use the data that they need to use and the systems they need to use or to fulfill their mission. It's a bunch of little things, but like I said, at the root, I think it's come to rise because of the fact that we are very much in a very digital economy.
0: Absolutely. A hundred percent. Okay, Dominic, what is a useful, hard and soft skill or soft skills and hard skills that you look for in the young people that you've hired over the years?
1: The thing I always speaking to, to, to students or recent graduates or people looking to enter the field, they'll ask me about oh, what firewall should I need to use, or what type of security technology do I need to learn? And I always say that those skills are very easy to train. You no, know, that's that's not hard and technology is always changing that you shouldn't just harness yourself to a certain technology. What's really hard to find though, and what's harder to train is what I refer to as foundational skills. You know, that's stuff like being a great communicator, right? being someone who can take very technical terms from a security perspective and then communicate that maybe to a group of executives or a group of non-technical people, people who are able to really write very deep and meaningful risk analysis, people who are able to put two words together in a way which doesn't read really like a technical book, but like I said, can be read and understood by non-technical people. The communication skills, I think, are just so paramount right now i think that's really why we see people with non-technical backgrounds really flourishing in the field especially people like you mentioned a little like liberal arts these are people who are very good at expressing themselves and communicating to people most traditional it slash security people are actually really terrible communicators and that's part of the reason we've, we've uh, seen the field struggle to grow in, in years prior so to me communication skills absolutely imperative and being adaptable. someone who's able to learn Something new and then unlearn something and then learn something new again. That type of mental agility is absolutely critical to to succeed in this field.
0: Awesome. And I can say that both of those skills are so transferable into just about every single industry out there, my friends.
1: 100%.
0: What about someone's major, Dominic? Is it a deciding factor to get into this profession? In other words, If they haven't studied comp sci, if they haven't been an engineering major, some form of IT, is it a deal breaker?
1: What we're seeing right now is that it really depends on like from the hiring managers and the mindsets of, of those who are in hiring positions, you have people who are asked to be, you know, you have to be a very technical person. You have to have a technical degree, right? You have to have years in, in computer science or hands-on technology, but you also have a growing faction of security leaders in the space who are saying, no, right? we need to change our hiring practices, right? We need to open our field to those who have actually various levels of diversity of thought and diversity of experience, right? That's going to help propel our industry moving forward. It does depend, like I said, in terms of who the hiring manager is. You have a lot of the like a better term, old school traditionalist types who prefer, you know, people if they're not quote unquote techies that they want nothing to do with them. But then you also like I said you have the more modern leaders in, in the space who hire people from who have backgrounds in psychology or statistics or liberal arts or what have you. So I think we're we're in a state of flux right now when it when it comes to hiring.
0: I love that. And I want to push a little further here in terms of liberal arts majors that you think would be best positioned to get into this field. You mentioned psychology. You've already touched on communications. So whether you're a history major or a creative writing major or anything involving analytical thinking, would you put any other majors, specific majors out there that you think could be primed for this industry?
1: I think anyone with more and more background in psychology, because at the root of this much is understanding how, whether it be cyber criminals or people within the organization, how they operate or how they think when it comes to cybersecurity and data security. So people who have that really deep understanding of the human mind, I think are are very much primed to do well in this field as well. So I think I see more and more people with a psychology background entering the field. So I think that's one that particular pops to mind. The other one I was going to say would be anything around math and statistics. You know, people who are able to really be, and I find those people are deeply analytical. They tend to very much thrive in the field as well. And
0: data analysts, I would imagine.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) All
0: right. What about a grad school degree? How important is it? Less so for those entry-level jobs. Maybe more so for somebody who wants to run their own company one day or make it into the C-suite. Are there certain... Advanced degrees that you think they should explore, getting if at all.
1: I always tell people like uh, this way. I'm not one to dissuade people from education. You know, I, I grew up in a household of two teachers, and I, I do value education. But I also try to view it pragmatically as well. You know, and the example I'll give is, you know, if if you have an undergrad business degree, right, and you try to get into the C-suite, you're not going to go much if you don't have an MBA. It just there are so many people who graduate with business degrees. You are one of, you know, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, what have you, across the world, you're not gonna stand out. You need that MBA. In cybersecurity, this goes back to what I mentioned earlier, so about the supply and demand, there are more cybersecurity job opportunities than there are people applying for these jobs. So you don't need to have a master's in order to stand out. You could certainly get a more specialized job should you have a master's or doctorate, but it's not necessary if you want to become like a chief information security officer or director of security somewhere. You do not need to have a master's degree because, like I said, from a supply-demand perspective, even so with people who have security leadership work experience, even that is a fairly small talent pool. So right now, there's really no pragmatic reason for you to have to pursue that right now.
0: Wow. That is awesome, awesome news. So Dom, what about life experiences? Those experiences we have outside the classroom, maybe some, dare I say, like gaming or hacking or, go- you know, oh, I, I can't believe I just said that. But what would you <laughs> say are the most useful kinds of life experiences for someone starting out in this field to maybe try to cultivate while they're still in school?
1: It would sort of depend, too, if they're, if they're wanting to go down a leadership track or not. I find people who have experiences around collaboration, people who have life experiences where, and again, not just in a school setting, but where you've done work, you've done projects and initiatives where you're banding together with other people, right? More and more, I find that cybersecurity... It's transitioned from being a what's referred to as, I guess, as a, as a sector of of lone wolves, where people would just do their own thing and never work together. More and more, what we need in order to truly succeed in this field is for people to band together, to work together, to collaborate, to put aside their egos. Right. So, for me, when I I look from a life experience perspective, I look for people who are able. to to demonstrate they're selfless. They're able to think of others as collaborators rather than competitors. Many of the security teams I worked for where even your own team members were seen as competitors and not as collaborators, right? So that, to me, is something that I look for. And so even people who, as an example, you know, played team sports, people who were in settings where the team was more important than the single person or the single entity, those are people that I, I gravitate to, towards and hire and continue to hire and always advocate for our clients to hire those types of individuals as well.
0: Super interesting. So what is the best part for you, Dominic, of being in the field of cybersecurity?
1: No day is ever the same. (laughs) (laughs) I've been at this for uh, quite a few years, and I can honestly say that I've never really had two days that have ever looked the same. You know, it's continually changing, and that was back in my corporate days, or now as an entrepreneur, I always have to be on on my feet, and I'm always learning. That's the thing I, I love more than anything about this field is that I usually spend the first hour of my day just reading and and learning about what's changed since since yesterday. The cool thing about cybersecurity, unlike let's say organic chemistry, it changes literally every day. Organic chemistry hasn't changed in 200 years. I guess you like organic chemistry, not trying to put it down, but I'm just saying (laughs) it's very static. It has not changed. It's such a dynamic field, cybersecurity. And like I said, it keeps me on my toes. And that's what helps keeps me engaged day after day after day.
0: Love it. So the flip side, because every job, whether you're the boss or whether you're middle management or entry level has aspects that suck. So what is the part of your current job, Dominic, as the chief honcho at CyberSC that sucks the most? (laughs)
1: love the way that you phrase that. (laughs) (laughs) I would say right now the thing that sucks slash frustrates me the most is dealing with prospects who are, let's say, ignorant slash blissfully unaware of the fact that cybersecurity and cyber risk management is a modern organizational discipline. Saying things such as, oh, we're a small company or we have nothing of value, that's 1995 level mindset. That stuff, like I said, when we run up into those roadblocks, my eyes always roll and I usually slam my head against my desk because that's what really sucks about my job is that I I hate trying to convert those who are unwilling to um, believe that we live in 2021.
0: Yes, and we will be getting into this. In our main T4C interview, but just to foreshadow a bit of what I want to ask you about, on your website, you talk about the fact that almost half of all cyber attacks today are targeting small organizations and that about 60% of those who are targeted don't recover from these attacks. They end up going out of business after about six months.
1: Yeah. It's something which, and this, this shift happened, let's say probably about 7, 10 years ago, where the majority of global cyber attacks went from focusing on large enterprises, mainly like big banks and financial organizations, and as more and more small organizations came online and digital transformation became a thing and the economy became more and more digitized, now all of a sudden, there's countless small and mid-sized organizations that came online. And cyber criminals recognize that. And now, as as you point out there, the vast majority of global cyber attacks are focused on the SMB market because the vast majority of small and mid-sized businesses have not taken the time to enhance their cybersecurity capabilities or or sharpen their approach to cyber risk management. So it's akin to shooting fish in a barrel. And And let me ask you
0: this, because you mentioned one of those people that inspired you to start banging your head against your desk, said, hey, but we don't have anything of value. So why do the cyber criminals target them? What do they get?
1: It's it's trying to really wrap one's head around how modern business operates. So let's say, again, you're a small business and sure, let's say you don't have any sensitive data. But as I mentioned earlier, every organization right now relies on their IT systems and relies on their data to actually do their job to fulfill the company's mission. Uh, And I was jokingly saying, unless you're selling tacos at the back of your mom's Volvo and all cash deals, you are a digital company. You rely on data. So what cyber kernels are taking advantage of is the fact that organizations rely on the access to said systems and said data. So if they are able to either remove or prevent those companies from accessing their systems, those companies are left in the spot where they are like, well, we can't operate as a business. So now they either have to pay a ransom to the cyber criminals to regain access to their data and systems, or they risk going out of business. Because let's say you're a small business, and because of something like ransomware, you go offline for a day or two days. What does that mean to your bottom line? Many small businesses can't afford to be offline for more than a few days. So now all of a sudden, just because you don't have sensitive data, that doesn't mean that your organization isn't susceptible to cyber risk. It's a very myopic view of cybersecurity that unless you are a a financial institution, you don't need to worry about it. Like I said, that's 1995 level thinking.
0: Got it. Got it. Thanks for that explanation. Three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten, Dominic?
1: The best career advice I ever got was to network to actually spend time investing in relationships, invest time in building friendships that will get you far, far more, both personally uh, from a fulfillment perspective and also financially as a a professional by investing in relationships. It's something I wish I had heeded earlier in my career.
0: I love that advice because, hey, you and I met on LinkedIn. The professional (laughs) networking platform, right?
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Okay, fun question. What movies, if any, or streaming shows like Netflix or on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Apple TV, wherever, or books, do you think accurately depict your profession?
1: I will say this, that Hollywood does unfortunately perpetuate the wrong image of criminals and cyber criminals. It's someone wearing a hoodie in the basement somewhere. You know, that, that again is very 1995. That's really not What the the main threats are nowadays. The one show that I think is fairly accurate is actually Mr. Robot. That's one of my favorite shows to watch. And it was even true if I was into cybersecurity or not. But it does a really, really good job of actively depicting what cybercrime looks like, both from a criminal perspective and also from what organizations I have to deal with.
0: Fair enough. We'll put a link to Mr. Robot in show notes. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about this profession?
1: I'll go, I'll go back to what I mentioned earlier. I think they'll be surprised about the fact that they don't have to be a hacker, right? that you don't need to be someone who's super technical. I always get students who are flabbergasted when I say you don't need to be a hacker. A lot of people just don't even consider the field because they think they need to be you know, a really great coder and know how to, you know, ins and outs of uh, how to crack into a computer kind of thing. Like I said, you don't. There's so many sub-disciplines within the field that anyone with a great analytical mind and willingness to learn can absolutely thrive in the field.
0: Fantastic. Dominic is the co-host of the podcast Cybersecurity Matters. You're definitely going to want to check it out. Dominic, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today, even if you drink tea, with me, and the T for C community. This was just great.
1: I'll toast to that. Amazing conversation. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T for C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at